Welcome to the Guru Nation Fantasy Football Podcast. Today I have a special guest, my guy Miguel Chapton. You can follow him on Twitter, at DynastyGuruFF. We're just going to be talking a little bit fantasy, some rookies coming out, nothing crazy. How are you doing today, Miguel? What's going on, man? Good to be back. Good to be back talking fantasy and welcoming me back from my hiatus of Guru Nation-ness. Okay. So I've been MIA since forever. <laughs> there we go. Welcome back. Um, Good to be back. Got a, That was a professional intro. I felt, felt very professional doing that, so... Um, yeah, you almost got it all out completely without stumbling over. It was close. Yeah, I mean, like I had, I had to like think of each word I was saying individually, and um, I hope, I hope it sounds right. I mean, I guess when we listen, we'll find that out. If uh, I apologize in advance, it, it sounded it was, that way. It was a little it mumbled. Sounded like you were really thinking through. Yeah, I definitely was. Like, so if it sounds like I'm talking another language, uh, just, just, just disregard that. I, I'm, I promise, I'm speaking English. Ain't, Okay, I can't even say the word. Uh, I what is this league? English. What is this the topic we're talking about? Who are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um, Como estas? Um, all right. Um, all right. So let's just let's just start diving into some stuff, man. I just want to ask you a couple questions. Um, first off, um, how much work um, do you start doing before the draft in terms of like? Uh, looking at your prospect model or is that like a lot of that or sorry before the combine or how much of that like is after the combine that you're really starting to implement and look towards your numbers um i would say that's a good question uh i'd say 70 percent of it is up front okay uh, of the combine because most of the valuable data that you need doesn't happen at the combine it happens in college um and so you really got to go around and get all those data points and then once they release the combine invite list which they did uh what last friday mm-hmm. um then that finalizes the list that i'm looking at and i go hunt and find the last few guys that i didn't have and delete out the guys that i thought were going to get invited but didn't and and then after that i'm just waiting for the combine to come through and uh you know hopefully most of those guys participate in all the events but there's always guys that skip out and do pro days. So mm-hmm. what sucks is like the, the biggest lift happens before the combine, but because of all the athletic testing and how it happens and how long it takes for all the pro days to wrap up, that that's the longest part of it all because you're just waiting. You're like, all right, well, I need to wait for this guy's pro day, and it's not until, oh, March 30th. And you're like, well, fuck. Yeah, right. <laughs> So you're just sort of sitting around twiddling your thumbs like, all right, well, I got most of these guys, but not everyone. Um, so, yeah, that's the that's the hardest part is the next. After the combine and before the draft, those weeks in between where it's all pro days is just the fucking worst. Yeah, and I think, I th- I think most guys are actually going to be able to uh, participate in the combine, which I think in years past we haven't had that. I think one guy who... Um, actually yeah, there's may no not major injuries. Like a Marquise Brown isn't out with a foot injury... So at least like all the major yeah. guys should participate. I heard but uh, they'll, they'll be the guys who you know are gonna not want to do the forty because they're too slow to do it at the combine, so right. they'll do it at the pro day and shit like that. Yeah, I heard Chenault may have like a groin injury, and I hope that doesn't keep him out. But um, other than that, I think uh, we're in the clear. Fingers crossed. Because um, what's that? That's next week, right? Next week. No, it's two weeks from now. Two weeks. It's at the, yeah, I think it's like Feb week four. Um, it's like the 27th or gotcha. something. I have not been paying attention to that, but I definitely will be uh, here shortly. 
Um, all right, so you definitely, I mean, if 70% of your thing is done, then so you have a kind of an idea of what um, we're looking at in terms of this class. I want to know, like, like, what are your, like, initial thoughts in terms of, like, class as a whole and how it grades out versus, like, classes we've seen last year or in the past, like, couple years? Um, are we, when you say as a whole, is it wide receivers as a whole? Or yeah, like wide receivers, specifically wide receivers oh. right now. Um, I think this is a deeper class than last year. I, I hate using that word because I think it gets thrown around a lot and everyone has a different definition of what that means. Um, when I say deeper, it's just, it's also like saying it's just heavier at the top. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's just a point where you hit that is just the same as every other class. Um, and so I think there's more guys here that are more intriguing and could provide good value. Um, I think this could be one of those classes that we could see, you know, I think you can average see about like five guys hit and by definition a hit is top 24 fantasy is like what you, your typical average class delivers. So take last year's class. We already have AJ Brown. That's one. So you can count on, yeah, baby. you know, and yeah, hell yeah. Uh, at least, you know, hopefully four more guys can do it. And then, you know, they may not all be burners. You might have, like, your Nelson Aguilars of the world, but still. Um, but I think this class could deliver more than five. I think we could see upwards of maybe ten, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. We've had other classes that have delivered, like, eight to ten guys. So I think it's definitely one of those types of classes. I'm pretty excited about it. Absolutely. And it seems, like, really strong. And I think the main thing that, like, we're looking at right now is... is how are we gonna differentiate these guys? I feel like I feel like there's just a glut of like six to seven like very solid receivers, and my issue right now that I'm looking at is like it's like how do I rank these guys? Like I feel like they're all so very similar, and it's very hard to dif- differentiate like who's gonna be better than another. And obviously, landing spots gonna have a huge impact on that. But I'm like curious like like who are the guys that like you are like starting to like separate from yourself, or do you feel like they're is any of those guys that are really separating themselves uh i mean absolutely separating themselves like top tier it's cd lamb it's jalen rager and it's brian edwards for me like Mm. i think those are the top three guys in this class and i know a lot of people will be like oh but jerry judy and i mean there's a case that could be made for judy from the way i look at things but and I don't know. There's a lot of question marks that are coming up for him. Even even non-analytics people are starting to bring up question marks that they're seeing in his film. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it just it makes sense. Like this is why you don't rush out to rank a guy number one. You know, full 18 months before they're even going to declare for a draft. Like let them play. Let that like process play itself out and then figure out where they're at like sure they're probably going to end up there but putting them there 18 months ahead of time isn't like you're not winning anything (laughs) yeah like it's better to be accurate and like go through a good process rather than just like oh they had one good year yeah let me go put them number one Mm -hmm. and never move off that like so many guys are still refused to move off of that because they did that you know so long ago rather than letting the process play itself out and you know let the chips fall where they may um but, you know, I think the way I kind of look at things now uh, with the model that I've built and what I, I've always known what I was building. I just didn't think, 
I think I've kind of realized I didn't always know how to properly use it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, draft capital at the end of the day is king. Like the NFL knows what it's doing when it's drafting. It Absolutely. does a pretty damn good job of it. Even though you'll have your misses, um, every other NFL team probably had that guy ranked really highly too. So there's there's always good logic behind why they do what they do, even for players like uh, made me realize this. Oh, like Philip Dorsett, right? Mm-hmm. You know that looked like a terrible pick at the time. Um, still was like it was an absolute bust. Like it did not play out the way you thought it would, and. Uh, Looking at him from like an analytics point of view, like Philip Dorsett was all right. I wouldn't have put him as a first round pick, but now that I've kind of gone back and really done like a deeper dive into him, like oh, I could see what that GM was thinking. Mm-hmm. That GM thought, oh, this is going to be Deshaun Jackson 2.0. Didn't play out that way, but if it hit as a Deshaun Jackson 2.0, then that pick would look amazing, right? Yeah. Um, so, like, the logic, I think, made sense as to why they made that pick. Would I have done that? No. Like, I don't think he was worth that. But, um, you know, the, the NFL's got its reasons, and, and they're usually pretty good, even though they don't always work out. Like, a lot of factors go into, reason, go into play as to why players fail to hit at the next level. Absolutely. Um, 100%. And one thing we need so, to realize when it comes to, like, draft capital is, like, these GMs or like these teams are like getting smarter. They're embracing analytics. It's not it's not right. like the olden days, like ten, fifteen years ago, where it's like you'd have these like film only guys and that's where we saw our misses. No, teams are getting smarter now. They're understanding what to look at and like that's why draft capital is important because these guys are literally full time employees. Their job is to get this right. Like they're gonna go and they're gonna research and they're gonna do their due diligence on each of these players, not just statistical profiles, not just film profiles, but their personal profiles. They're going to interview them. They're going to see what type of players or people they are uh, off the field and stuff. So that's why it's so, so important to take draft capital into right. account because and they know everything. That's that's some of the most important stuff. Like, if people always ask, like, oh, what's the one thing you wish you could put in your model? Like, fuck, I want to be able to, like, know what these kids are like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to know what's going on between the head. <laughs> like... Uh, that's the one thing we don't get any visibility to. We can only grade what's on the field. Like, I don't know if the guy is a, you know, complete moron or not. Um, you know, unless that somehow leaks in the media, but then you don't know how accurate that is. Yeah, exactly. Cause that could just be some GM trying to, you know, knock down some guy's draft stock so then he could get him or something. So, uh, God, yeah, that, that's the most important thing. And yeah, that definitely goes into their draft stock. Um, like, I don't know if you watched that Aaron Hernandez, a documentary on Netflix. Yeah. Where do you remember seeing where like they'd go over like his scouting report and they give him like a maturity grade of like one yeah. out of ten. Like yeah, like that would be very useful information to know. Mm-hmm. Like, oh this guy's probably a complete fuck up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, high chance that he's not gonna plan out. Like Aaron Hand is still planned out, but that doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. And we saw it happen. Um, That's the reason yeah. why he fell was because it was off the field. And he was a talent on the field. And if he had his together you probably would have been a much higher pick so that's like why draft capital is wise there right yeah so i think what i look for now is where draft capital doesn't meet up with what how i rank things mm-hmm. so you know say say jerry judy ends up in like tier five for me 
but he's a first round pick. That doesn't jive. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna look at that and be like, okay, he's not a first round talent. He's going in the first round because he's really popular. Like a lot of the draft is also marketing. Mm-hmm. It's very marketing driven. Um, so I'm gonna look at that and be like, all right, he's gonna be insanely overvalued in drafts. People are gonna take him because of the draft capital, but it doesn't match. Yeah. But if on if say CD Lamb goes tier two or tier one and he gets drafted in the first round that's where those line up and i'm like all right the nfl agrees the model agrees everything else that i'm seeing agrees that's completely worth it i'm all in on cd land mm-hmm. so that's kind of how i'm looking at it now um because at the end of the day like this is a lot of splitting hairs like all these guys are all very good there's a lot of things they do well um but in order to kind of separate them out, you have to split hairs on top of hairs on top of hairs in order to get there. Um, so that's kind of how I'm looking at things now. Miguel, I'm curious, um, how much does your model take into account things such as weight and things such as draft age and also um, whether they declared early or not? Uh, it doesn't take into the fact that they declared early or not, but that is something i'd like to add um i was actually just talking to a guy the other day um about getting that info he was putting it together um but he only had a little bit of it right now so that's something i'm gonna add probably this year it's just so much work to try to go back and at this point now i'm what 500 wide receivers deep Mm -hmm. like one by one to go back just sounds like my nightmare so (laughs) Unless I can easily get that info and like quickly dump it in, and I'm not probably going to do that. Um, but I do take into account weight. Um, they do have to meet a height and weight requirement, and then there's like there's a height and weight threshold, mm-hmm. and then there's also a pounds per inch threshold. And I use pounds per inch in place of BMI um, because I think pounds per inch tends to highlight guys that get hurt often. Okay. Um, and like time and time again, the guys that hit below that, I'm like, yep, this guy's likely going to be on, you know, the injury reports a lot. And sure enough, like, oh, they pulled a hamstring. Oh, they pulled a groin muscle. Oh, they did this. And it's like, yeah, there you go. Um, kind of saw that one coming. Uh, so that, that one's been a really valuable tool. Uh, I don't know how much I value it in terms of the overall weight that it's given. Probably not a ton. Um, no, it's lumped in with all the other athletic measurables. So yeah, it's not weighted a ton in the model, but it's in there, and it's a good like contextual number. Yeah. Um, to have to say like, oh, okay, this guy, the way his body's built, he's more likely to you know get injured or at least appear on the injury report than you know player B. Uh, you know, how much does that matter? I don't know. But is it good to know? If you want to, if like you're a team that or owner that wants to limit, you know, guys that are constantly on the injury report, like then yeah, that number is important to just know. Um, but in terms of how much is it weighted in the model, like yeah, not a ton. Yeah. Okay. So knowing that they use pounds per inch, then wouldn't a guy like Jerry Judy probably rate pretty low, or actually inter- maybe like higher in terms of like a probability for injury? I think he's like uh, listed currently at like six one and like one ninety. 192 so like 
Yeah, I've got him at 6'1", 192, and he comes in at a 2.63, which is in the good range, so he's fine. Oh, really? As long, okay. as, as, long as he checks in there, he'll be fine. Gotcha. And he's, not a, he's not an injury risk. Are there any players that you're currently looking at that are rated kind of highly that would fit in that category? Oh, that's a good question. Let me see who pops up right now. Hold on. Let me filter. And what did you notice between a uh, pounds per uh, inch instead of BMI? Like, what's like, what's the difference? Between? Oh man. Um. So hold on. Let me get back to your first question. Okay. Sorry, um, I throw in a lot of Two yeah. guys that pop up, or three guys that pop up, um, as of right now, pre combine, because I'll end up switching out their heights and weights for whatever they check in at the combine. Mm-hmm. Um that people will know are Henry Ruggs. Mm-hmm. He comes in at a 2.54, so the threshold is 2.6. Um, Justin Jefferson is also below at 2.57. Mm-hmm. And KJ Hamler, 2.51. So okay. if there's one guy here who's likely going to be able to make the leap and get over, it's probably going to be Justin Jefferson because he's so close. Mm-hmm. What does he need to be, like 195, and then he'll be there? Yeah, I actually saw yeah. something that he was six. Yeah, he literally just needs to gain two pounds in his spot. So um, he's probably going to check in at 195, I'm assuming, at the combine. I hope. I hope so, too. Um, but someone like KJ Hamler, who's a 2.51, like, he's got basically no chance. Yeah. Um, so, and then what was your second question? Sorry. Um, how does that correlate versus BMI? And what did you think about? Uh, oh, like I forget why, why I chose it over BMI. I think I just like the idea of um, having a metric that would tell me whether or not they'd get hurt more so than what BMI would tell me, which I don't think that correlated necessarily to injury risk as much. Um, I made this decision so long ago, I don't even remember gotcha. what that was. <laughs> gotcha. All right, just like from an outside perspective, it seems like they would pretty sure that's what it was measuring for. almost the same thing right they're measuring similarly i mean yeah you're still taking height and weight and you know doing some basic math on it but um i think you'll still i think there's still times when you'll have bmis that are probably in a good range but pounds per inch where they're not hmm. okay interesting i mean it makes uh, sense though because like naturally players with higher bmis tend to have better careers and probably a reason why some of these players that um, don't have the greatest um, height-weight ratio don't pan out is maybe they just can't stay on the field because of that. Like, the NFL is a, it's a, it's a grueling, it's the best, the best, it's the most physical league out there. Like, like if your body isn't able to take that beating, like, you're never going to stand a chance. Right. But at the same time, like, BMI is also... BMI in correlation to success is also very self-fulfilling because those that are good are going to be in a solid BMI and are going to get drafted high. Like, Mm. those just all correlate very naturally together. Um, So it's, I I doubt there's very many cases where, like, I would love to see the high draft capital, super talented, but weren't a BMI star. I would love to know more about that because I know that all the guys like Julio Jones and AJ Green, like 
Yeah, they're all going to have great BMIs. Great, of course okay. they are. Like that's why they're first round picks. <laughs> I'm going to pull it <laughs> that's up because right they're now. like not because of BMI, but because like they're freaking insane specimens of like human beings. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think actually have and, that. I think I tweeted that out uh, a few days ago, and I'm pretty sure it was like I want to say like 26 percent of players who had a BMI, I think it was under 27, and had top three round draft capital became a wide receiver one. So let me go double check that for you, but I'm pretty sure we're looking at roughly like 25% of players under that BMI threshold and right. also the draft capital still hit. So like it's still good, but like when you compare it to the uh, players who had a BMI over 27, you're looking at 41%. So like, But then if we compare that to like you start layering on other metrics on top of that, so of those 26... How many broke out early? Yeah. How many had a dominator rating over 30? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, I have yeah. a feeling, or if you just looked at those guys in just that lens, is the rating higher? Yeah, absolutely. So, and then if the rating's higher, then what is BMI actually telling me? Um, yeah, I don't know. I would just look at it like that. Yeah, I know. I got you. It, um, my right my now, issue like, right now is I don't have I see the that, database and it's to be able to put all that together. But right to now. me, it's like it's a number. Okay, I just don't know what it's telling me yet. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, it's good to know. Yeah, no, it's good. That they, I mean, when you see a discrepancy like that between the players who hit that threshold versus don't, like, like a fifteen percent difference, like there's obviously some sort of correlation there. Like right. you're looking there's at, but you don't know like how much. Like like you said, if we add breakout age, we add dominator rating. What's that going to yeah. show us? Like where are the players? Like, like I naturally, we would both assume that. If we add yeah. breakout agent, the hit rate's going to be higher. But how much higher? And is it going to be higher for players with the higher BMI and the lower BMI, just one more so than the other? Or, or what do we see? Right, yeah. I would start filtering it like that. Like, mm-hmm. maybe that's the case for your next article. Like, go look at it through yeah. those lenses, apply those things, see what you see. I don't know. I don't know what you get. I'm just kind of throwing out what I think you'd see, but mm-hmm. who knows? No, I no, could I be surprised. Very <laughs> natural. And obviously, like, the, 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 more, the more that we... Um, we um, or uh, limit our th- or um, open or, or limit our thresholds in terms of like more things that we're looking for. Naturally, the hit rates or naturally the sample size is going to be smaller, but our hit rates also can increase to where we can get it down to a point to where it's like, all right, well, if a player hit like five different thresholds and they have like a ninety percent success rate, who are the players in this draft class that hit those thresholds as well? You know, it's like it's like where can we start to do that? And I think this I think this kind of leads us into. Um, one of the top guys that you actually were talking about. You said the top three, and it's interesting because I feel like, right, at least right now in the process, I feel like a lot of guys don't have Brian Edwards in their top three or maybe even top five. But it's very encouraging uh, to have, to hear you have him in your top three because I, um, I did a stat uh, recently. I have to go check through my profile, but... Um, I basically limited it down to players who broke out at age 18. Um, they had top three-round draft capital. Give me one second. Um, so I can get you the full thing. Um, where is this? Sorry about this. Um, so I basically limited it down to 10 players, and all nine of those players, or like, well, nine, nine of the nine players that... Uh, he would be the 10th. Um, hit this threshold. They had a wide receiver two season. I believe seven of them had a wide receiver one season. And it breaks down by breakout age. Um, okay, so here it is. I got it right here. So there are 10 players since uh, 2000 
to um, be 21 uh, as their draft age, break out at age 18, and have top three on capital, ran under a 4-6, which Brian Edwards is like, like, people are kind of sleeping on what he's going to be able to do at the Combine. Like, I don't think, I don't think, like, I'd be shocked if he was uh, running slower than a 4-6. Weighed 210 pounds, which he's already at 215 in college, and we usually see players jump. There's, so he, it's yeah, there's no chance he runs over a 4-6. Yeah. No way. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's going to surprise people. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he runs below a 4-5. Yeah. So literally, like be a and then he has an average four, 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 nine, but like I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be shocked either. And then he has an average dominator twenty five percent plus, and also a BMI over twenty seven. But that naturally correlates almost similarly because he weighs so much. So like he hit all those thresholds, right? Every single player there hit a wide receiver two season. Seven of those players became a wide receiver one. I think the literally the only thing I look at Brian Edwards, and the only red flag, to be honest, the only red flag I see in his profile is that he didn't declare early. Like, that's it. Like, he literally checks every single box. He played with Debo Samuel, and they had basically similar production. And what Brian Edwards did with Debo Samuel on the field, he did that when he was three years younger than Debo Samuel at the same time that they did that. Like, if Debo Samuel's as good as we think he is, like, he had an incredible rookie season. And by all accounts and research that I've done, Debo Samuel looks like a future star. Like, he, he, he fits the profile of a wide receiver one. And if he's that good, and Brian Edwards is able to maintain production with him there at South Carolina at three years or an age of three years younger, like, why are we so low on Brian Edwards? This guy just seems like almost like, almost like a locked in stud in my opinion. He's being drafted right now, I think, in drafts like in like early second round, like late first. Like, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I, I I agree with all of those points. I think he's insanely good he's been insanely good since the day he walked on to the campus at south carolina and he never stopped being good um i think the only thing that is holding him back is the fact that he did split time with debo and that his quarterback play was just terrible for mm-hmm. the most oh, part yeah. while he was there I mean, it was bad. It wasn't Jalen Rager, Max Duggan bad in TCU last year, but it was close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And he put up he put up uh, reasonable numbers in context of the offense. And that's what we have to do. Is like a lot of these guys don't put up amazing numbers. Like look at a DJ Moore for example. He like his his junior year they had like two thousand passing yards and he had a thousand. It's like yeah, a thousand's good, but like in context of the offense, he like absolutely dominated that. And Brian Edwards. Almost pretty dominant this year without Debo Samuel. So, um, right, yeah. I mean, what did he? He was like toying with like a sixty percent dominator rating for like yeah. more than half the year. Yeah, I think, and then he missed a few point. games, so that kind of limited him a little bit. But if we saw him be fully healthy for like the last three games, and mind you, this is in the SEC. This isn't like some random conference out there. This is like literally in the best conference in all of college football. He's able to put right. up these numbers. He did the- yeah, like I, uh, yeah, I like Brian Edwards more than I like. T. Higgins right now. Okay, okay. Right. I don't know. Maybe right, it's just like I just haven't seen enough of T. Higgins, or right. I don't let's, know. There's something about, about him let's that like I him. want to like him, but I'm just like not fully there yet. Okay. And right. maybe I'll get there like during this combine and in the next few weeks, and I'll end up loving him a lot. But um, all right, hopefully, hopefully I can get you there in the next five minutes because I really, really wanted to touch on T. Higgins with you. And first of all, before we go into it, I'm curious. Where, like, in your model right now, where does T. Higgins rate in, in terms of, like, 
like what your PSI is showing. <clears throat> He's right there with the rest of them. <laughs> okay, that is <laughs> that is like, so encouraging to hear. Okay, this is like there's always my like my rankings, like the way I view the world, and then there's the way the model views the world. Mm-hmm. And the model's always right because every time I go against it, I always end up paying the price. I don't mm-hmm. know why I don't listen to what I do, but you know, we all like to think we're better than our own tools, apparently. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. T. Higgins just maybe it was watching him in the championship game, and it just wasn't very exciting to see. Um, I don't you know. Said, you see I that touchdown though, right? You saw something that about him. I'm like, I really want to like this kid, but I really don't. No, you saw the touchdown <laughs> run though. That was insane. Um, so yeah, if you got a good story, okay, on okay. So here's, me here's on my. Higgins, go I, right ahead. I. People may think I'm crazy. I I, I don't care. Okay, so I think. I think in terms of checking boxes, I think T. Higgins checks the most boxes out of any receiver in this class. And I, he's actually, he is very close in contention to be my wide receiver one this year. Like, I think he's that good. And he checks, like, I don't think there's a box that he doesn't check. So, he's an early declare, check. 21-year-old rookie, check. He's going to weigh well. He's going to be 215 or more pounds, check. He's going to have high draft capital, check. He had a 96% breakout age, check. Last year, like... Some of his numbers, dominator rating-wise, weren't the greatest, but he still was able to break out. He still would be uh, efficient in his offense. I still am going to do a lot of research into that, but I think naturally efficiency is good. We see players that are more efficient in college tend to have more success. It's not, it's not like perfect, but naturally, I think uh, players who had like over a ten, or players who ha- or ended up becoming a wide receiver too had like a ten point six yards per target in college versus players who didn't have like a nine point some. So. It's important. Um, he had 13 uh, yards for targets. He wasn't seeing targets last year. 15% of his targets in the last two years. 15% of his targets mm-hmm. went for touchdowns in the last two years. Like, he's mega efficient. Like, he he literally did what you would want him to do with what he got in that offense. Like, like you can't ask him to do any more than what he did. And every single year of his, his career, as a freshman, he had over 10 yards for the target. Sophomore, over 10 yards per target. Junior, 10 yards per target. He's literally, every single time he's throwing the ball, efficient. He's great. Like, incredible after the catch. Reminds me of, like, like a like a Cortland Sutton, Brandon Marshall, like Kenny Galladay type of guy who just, like, checks all the boxes. Like, he's going to be one of the youngest wide receivers. He's going to get that draft capital. Like, I don't see what, like, I don't see an argument against D. Higgins. And I think that people are going to get so caught up in, like, like how good CeeDee Lamb is. But here's one issue Here's one issue that I have with CeeDee Lamb is that he doesn't necessarily check that weight threshold. He may get close, but if you're 16 under 200, he, like, that's a little bit probably. concerning for me where I feel like I don't have those concerns with T. Higgins. Yeah, I'm not going to knock C.D. Lamb. Like, at the end of the day, if C.D. Lamb is two pounds shy of, like, ideal... Yeah, you like, can't that's not going to be the that. reason he fails in the NFL. Like, if he fails in the NFL, I'm not going to go back and be like, oh, but it was those two pounds. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, no. <laughs> um, so he's so close. Like, that's why I like, I, I, I like to incorporate weight and all that. I just don't value it all that highly because at the end of the day, like, are you ever going to point back and go, oh, yep, he sucked because he was two mm-hmm. pounds lighter than he needed to be yeah. on the day of the combine? Like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think with, if um, you're like, I, I hear that, but I don't, I, I wouldn't put a lot of weight into that. I but hold on, let me, I'm, I'm pulling up everyone's stats right now because I've got it all 
in one sheet here. Uh, oh, so, oh, and C.D. Lamb and T. Higgins are like right next to each other. How about that? Nice. There you go. Love it. All right. So we had 1,100 yards. Oh, that's good. Double-digit touchdowns two years in a row. Mm-hmm. 20-yard. Oh, damn. It's the 20-yard average? Yeah. Shit. 96%. Dude, he's, dude, like I'm telling you, man. Hop on that T train right now, bro. It's uh, it's gonna get bigger, and uh, he is an absolute see, stud. Here, and here's see. I knew there's a reason why I wasn't loving him, and I'm already seeing why. Okay, what is it? His entire dominator rating is built on touchdowns mm-hmm. by a lot. That's okay. not good. What like, does that one mean, thing, Like this is something I haven't built in yet but i know if i do it'll work out but i just haven't had the time to really do it and so i haven't done it um but his highest market share yards was 27 Mm percent which was last year the year prior was 22 and his dominator rating is entirely carried by his touchdowns at 32 and 33 percent the last two years so can he be the guy that you run your offense through? Like, can he be that true dominant alpha on a team? And I don't know. I don't think so. Um, well, I, I, I think I think he'd be a great complimentary receiver on a team. I'd uh, I'd counteract your argument with this. So, like so you a, said like a Michael Gallup on the Cowboys did this year with Amari Cooper. Like he could give you that year. Can he give it to you consistently and be, you know, like a, a Julio Jones or even your Kenny Galladay comparison where he's giving you a couple of years of really solid production? Like, uh, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. All right. Uh, I'd counteract your argument. So you said he had what, in terms of his market share yards, he was at 20, or you he said aver- 32 and 22? He averaged, he averaged 25 for his career if you exclude his freshman year because... He barely did anything. Okay, so, so his last two seasons, he averaged 25, right? Yeah. So he, but he also averages 16% target share. So he's 9% more efficient with his yards than he is his targets, which is pretty dang impressive. My argument on getting behind T. Higgins is that he wasn't throwing the ball enough. And if he got thrown the ball more, all these numbers would jump. Like his receiving yards would look a lot better. But the thing is, when you're with... NFL wait, wait, wait. Talent. Did you say they weren't throwing the ball enough? They threw for over 4,000 yards Didn't every year. They didn't throw the year. ball to him in terms of, like, targets. So, like, when you have a guy like Justin Which, Ross, and you have a guy, like... He Tre- should be... If he's the guy, and I'm... What's his name? Trevor Lawrence? If I'm Trevor yeah. Lawrence, and I got T. Higgins, and he's, like, my guy, he'd be getting more than 16% of the target share. Way more. And I get that Justin Ross is on there. I honestly think the whole Clemson wide receiver thing is way overblown. Like, you got one DeAndre Hopkins out of it, and that's about it. Mike Williams has been all right. We'll talk on right. Mike Williams in a second. I think I think I think really think something great with Mike Williams is gonna happen. Um <laughs> <laughs> Another article is um, coming out soon. I mean, yeah, I don't know. T. Higgins, he's all right. Like, he's not someone I'm going to be drafting. Like, let's say it's a 12 team league. I'll wait till like the 110 to probably take T. Okay. Higgins. And I think his ADP right now is like 109. It's- okay, so that that maybe matches up. 
Um, he's just not someone that I'm going to be like. If I see someone who's got T. Higgins over CeeDee Lamb and Jalen Rager, I'm going to be like, what are you, what the hell are you doing? Hey, come at me, bro. <laughs> like, I just don't it may see happen. that. It may happen, come like, at me. No. I'm not done uh, yet, bro, but it's, it, it's, there's, there's an outside chance that definitely happens. Sure, yeah, always. There's always the outside chance, but yeah, no, I, I like my wide receivers who, whose dominator rating is more heavily weighted in yards than touchdowns. I, this is the whole issue with J.J. Arcega Whiteside. Uh, like, gonna bring him up. That but, was my big red flag for him. I'm like, everything, like, he rates really well in the model because the model doesn't differ between yards and touchdowns. It just looks at the total. Mm-hmm. And so I called that out. I'm like, he's more heavily weighted in touchdowns. Don't be surprised if he's not that great. And he went and put out probably the worst rookie year performance relative to opportunity you've ever witnessed in the NFL. Um, <laughs> like, that was terrible what he did last year. Uh, I actually think J.J. Arcega-Whiteside has a chance to bounce back. Sure. He's not like nothing is absolute. But what he put together last year gives you no reason to believe that that's going to happen. Have you read? Did you read my article where I talk about uh, bounce back inefficient rookies? No, I didn't. He actually profiles. So out of the last three years, um, give me one second. I'm actually going to pull this up real quick. Um, out of the last three years, so I'll get you the exact stats on this. Um, <laughs> He profiled um, as an interesting name. I, I was not expecting him. I was kind of down on him, to be honest. But then when he popped up, I... Uh... I mean, I hope he's good because he rates well in the model. I'd love to add him as a hit rate. But, yeah. ooh. Uh, right, so... When you're getting outproduced by Greg AAF Ward, like, come on now. I don't um, care if you're a rookie. Right, That's okay, so, just terrible. Okay, so for all inefficient uh, rookies, in terms of... Alright, so Oh yeah 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 I did see something about inefficient rookies. Okay, so I wrote, I wrote an article on inefficient rookies, right? So if we filter for um players in their rookie year who had who were under eight yards per target, were um a first or second round pick, weighed over two hundred and ten pounds, and um had their yards per target over six. So if they were between six and eight yards per target and I'm using eight yards per target because that for me is the if you're over eight yards per target you're efficient if you're under you're eight and the reason why we cut it off at six is because we don't want super inefficient rookie seasons because they're bad right and then you filter for tied draft capital first or second round because those are guys that usually get drafted and do well and then you look at guys who weighed over 210 pounds 46 percent of those players there's 24 of those players in that range that hit those thresholds since 2000 so you're getting just over one for year. 46% of those players had at least one wide receiver one season. And J.J. Arcega, Whiteside, had 7.7 yards per target, drafted in the second round, 225 pounds, and he had over 20 targets last year. So I think, like, I think he's definitely getting overlooked in the sense because of what he did with his opportunities in the first half of the year. But he had 169 yards on 10 targets, so he definitely has the playmaking ability to to do a lot he checks other boxes so i think like like maybe it's just a a thing that you know maybe it takes a year to get accustomed to maybe that's like a red trigger and then maybe next year we gotta look more like uh, a rookie year for him and then maybe year three because i noticed that um a lot of these inefficient rookies actually like i'm not gonna say majority of them but um 12 out of the the 34 pe- people that i sampled 
broke out in their third season, which is a lot when you compare it to any other year they could break out. So when you get 33% of the players breaking out in the third season, it usually takes them an extra year. So it's like, J.J. Orsega-Whiteside could definitely, absolutely be a hit. And I think that... Um, I don't know if there's any other players that fit this kind of mold in terms of like uh, a high touchdown percentage boosting their dominator, um, but I'd be curious to hear more about that and why... It is such a bad thing, and other players or examples as to it's, why it has it. it. Logically, I mean, I haven't fully tested it out, but logically, it makes sense because, like, that you would see that if you're heavily weighted in touchdowns over yards, that it's basically a false positive. Um, and the reason that's a false positive is because touchdowns are so so heavily skewed um, because of. The, the small sample size that each season gives you, right? Like mm-hmm. whether you are a 30 touchdown passing team or a 10 touchdown passing team, one or two touchdowns can completely throw off your dominator rating as a result. Mm-hmm. Um, and because touchdowns in and of themselves are a wild random event that can happen, you know, you've got your Julio Jones who went an entire year without scoring one or whatever the hell that was. You went yeah, how many crazy. games? Um, like, but we know Julio Jones is good, but touchdowns are just a random event that happened. Like, it's not a skill to score touchdowns. It's just, it's opportunity based. And sometimes you just don't get those opportunities. And because you got one more opportunity and you happen to convert on that one opportunity that vaulted your dominator, like you can easily see how that will skew the number that quickly over something that matters but doesn't matter that much okay well miguel Um, i'm actually curious about this i don't know if anyone has done research out there but i would argue that getting touchdowns is a skill and i think that when you actually look at touchdown rates there are players who have higher touchdown rates and there are players that have lower touchdown rates julio jones historically has never had a high touchdown rate so like when you look at his college career i'm looking at his college stats right now he had four touchdowns his, his freshman year four touchdowns his sophomore year and he had seven touchdowns his um, he had seven touchdowns that his um, junior year before entering, and he's never really been big of a, much of a touchdown guy. So I don't know if there has been a study or if someone can just completely just um, prove that what I'm saying is false. But I would I would actually argue that I think getting touchdowns is a skill in the NFL. I just haven't found the data for yet to prove it, but I absolutely am going to start looking into that because I think that. I'm just hypothetically going to look at like some other big-bodied receivers and see how they um, produce in college. Okay, so for example, look at Court and Sutton. Nine well, why do you have to be a big-bodied receiver? It would be any receiver. What? I said, why does that have to be a big-bodied receiver? You're limiting your pool. It'd have to be any receiver. Okay, so well, I'm just looking at players who had a lot of touchdowns. So uh, if I look last year and I use uh, this is all live, so just give me a second here. Um, if I look I would at assume all players, big bodies would outscore the little bodies because. They're the big red zone threats. All right, so yeah, and actually, so I'm gonna look at so I'm gonna look for the past three years, who has the most uh, seasons of who has the most seasons of a touchdown ten or ten or more touchdowns, receiving touchdowns. I want to see that, and then we'll start looking at their um, touchdown data to see or their college touchdown data to see if there is at least some sort of correlation. So if I look at all wide receivers to have ten or more. Touchdowns. Past three years, we get. Um, so Devontae Adams and DeAndre Hopkins are only two to pop up twice. 
So I'm going to just go check them out real quick, see how they do in college in terms of their touchdowns. Adams. So, okay, so Devontae Adams, as a, in a college, he had 14 uh, touchdowns. His, what would that be? A, he only played two years in college. So he had 14 touchdowns as a sophomore, and he had 24 the year after. So he had a ton of touchdowns in college. And then that obviously translated to the pros. Let's look at Hopkins real quick to see how his touchdowns were in college. Because those guys are the only players. Oh, gee, I have to click on one of Um... Here. One second. So DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so DeAndre Hopkins so is he had twenty-four touchdowns in college. He's never come close to that in the NFL, and last year he had five. Yeah, no, but like the two years what prior, twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen, he had ten plus touchdowns. He also had eighteen. Right, but what I'm saying is that they're a random event. So he went from twenty four, he went to twelve, he went to five. Do you see how random that is? Oh, it's absolutely random year to year, but I think I think exactly. over a long period of time it's I think I think you have players that are that that's a skill that they can have a higher touchdown rate than other players. And I think it shouldn't totally be discounted is what I'm saying. Like absolutely on a year to year basis, when you have sixteen game sample sizes, like naturally there's gonna be Right. That's why I mean it's still in the dominator rating, mm-hmm. but should it be equal to yards? Absolutely not. It should probably be about twenty five percent to be mm-hmm. honest, if I'm being real of how it should be calculated. Okay. Well because I, I it it just doesn't do enough to Right, like who is someone who didn't have a lot of touchdowns? Right. Okay. So here you go. Tyler Johnson. Mm-hmm. We agree he's great. Yeah. Right? We both think he's good. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a year that where this, while this may not make sense, uh, well, hold on. Let me just go through it. So he, he scored seven touchdowns. In 2017. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot. His entire offense scored nine. Mm-hmm. So he was 78% of the touchdowns. So he's heavily weighted there in first yards because he's nowhere near 80% for yards. Mm-hmm. But he was 45% of yards, and that's really freaking great. <laughs> so where – what the – the method should be is like where your yards are less than 30%, but your TDs are higher than 30 in any given year. That's a false positive. That's not telling you anything. But what that's telling you is that it's probably not as good as it looks and you need to do more work. And T Higgins had two of those seasons. While here, even though Tyler Johnson had a season, had two seasons actually, where his dominator rating was heavily weighted by touchdowns, his yards were so far and above what you need them to be that it didn't matter. Yeah. So, like, yes, he was good at scoring touchdowns. Great. Cool. But he was really good at scoring yards, and oh, look, that's what I care about. And it's awesome that he was also a big part of his, that they looked for him in the red zone and made sure that he got the ball there. So he commanded it in the red zone. Um, 
So, like, that's where I would say Tyler Johnson is better than T. Higgins, despite the fact that they both have two seasons on their record where their dominated rating is outweighed by touchdowns. Alright, I think it's just I think it's just something where personally for me, like I, I just have to look at more data in terms of that, but I th- I think it's natural to assume that, that getting a touchdown is a skill. Like I think T. Higgins naturally more so I wouldn't say more so than any receiver in this draft class, but more than most, he's gonna have a higher touchdown rate in the NFL and But even if it is a skill, like let's go with that for yeah. a second and it's a skill. At what point is it an elite skill? Well, no, that's that's the thing though. But it, if it is a skill, then I think it still should be accounted for. Like, like at the end of the day, I think like we should still um, not like totally discount T. Higgins because of that fact. Is all I'm getting as is right. If, if there's like my my analysis for uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside was he's more heavily weighted in touchdowns. He'd be a good red zone body, so he's gonna get your touchdowns. But if you're looking for a guy who's going to score a bunch of yards and get you those big yards between the 20s, like you're likely not going to get that guy. You're going to get the guy that once he gets near the tw- end zone, now he's going to start accumulating his points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I see with T. Higgins as well. Although he definitely is a lot faster. So if he's getting 19.8 yards average, yeah. he's definitely faster than a J.J. or Siegel Whiteside, so he's got a little more juice to him. Um but I mean, he yeah, just, I, I mean, know. like, I, I, I get there. I just think he just, he just blows. I mean, looking at JJ right now, he just blows him out of the water in terms of like efficiency, in terms of touchdown to targets. Yeah. Um, he was yeah. getting less target share, put up more touchdowns, put up more yards. Like, I don't, I mean, like, he's, he's 21 years old. He's an early declare. Like, those are also like things that, like, I feel like are like so strong in his favor. Like, it's really, yeah, really the early declare definitely helps him, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, gives him more of a runway. I mean, what is he? He's 21 years old, yeah, is that right? Yeah, he's literally 21, right? 21.1. So, like, he'll be the whole entire rookie year, he'll be 21 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that's and, great. And this also, this also um, matches up. So, my article I released, um, my first one, my first big one, um, it looked at players who were efficient the rookie year and what they had to hit. And naturally, this is kind of where my T. Higgins love came in. I was like, all right, so who are the guys who, if they have an efficient rookie year, are going to be, like, on the fast track to becoming a wide receiver one? And T. Higgins was T. Higgins and Brian Edwards are be, like, one of the few guys that would, like, literally be in, like, the 100% hit rate. So if, yeah, if T. Higgins hits 80 yards and has uh, over 8 yards per target his rookie year, he's going to be in a threshold where every single player on that list will have hit a wide receiver, at least one wide receiver one season, with two-thirds of those hitting multiple wide receiver one season. So if he was efficient as he was in college and he just transferred down the pros and he gets 80 targets, and if you think about it, if a team spends a first-round pick or a first or late first or like an early second-round pick on him, like that's definitely like totally within the range of outcomes. And based on his efficiency last year, we replicate that to his rookie year. Like I think that like that and that would make him on such a fast track. So that's kind of why my team can love it for them is so strong yeah i think t higgins will hit i just don't know if he's going to be that guy that you'll be talking about for years and years and years hey Could all remains to be seen it's the fun but part it of hits the a hit so that's all i hear that true <laughs> that um all right so everyone, i'm glad, I'm glad everyone talk- can have six seasons like uh aj green doesn't happen or like uh, aj brown's about to have um <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
So, okay, so glad we got talking to those guys. Um, so right now, okay, I'm curious. Um, I want to do some Jerry Judy talk because it's such a big topic of discussion. Now, I think a lot of the analytics guys, nobody's saying Jerry Judy's bad. Nobody's because he's a great player. He's a great player, but it's right. more like, it's more like there are risks in his profile. Like like, like separating like he does, it looks awesome on tape, but at the end of the day, how much does that matter? If we look at like the top ten players in terms of target separators, um, at the NFL last year, I think only like three or four of them were relevant. So it's like, how much? Like, like, really what's going on here? And I think it's really hard to really kind of get a grasp on Jerry Judy. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I defer back to what, you know, the reason why I've always not paid a whole lot of attention to route running and their separation. I'm like, look, if you're fast and you can get off the line, great. A lot of the guys you're going up against, like even in the SEC, I think people really overvalue the SEC. Like, yes, they get all the elite talent or like 90% of it, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, they get a lot of the elite talent, but the rest of the roster is not all that much better than a Big 12 team or a Pac-10 team. Like, they're not that much better. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he's going up against guys like when Jerry Judy played a lot in the slot, like, do you really think he was playing the number one corner that you're going to see in the NFL or even a number two corner in the NFL? Like, mm-hmm. No. So, of course, he was burning guys. And, yeah, he can move really quick, so he can get off. Like, that's all positive for him. I think Judy is a good player. Yeah. I think where I don't agree with is how everyone put him on this pedestal of, like, next great thing since Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's like, ah, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, like, a lot yeah. of hyperbolic talk right there. Let's tone that down. Like, we know he's good, we just don't know how good, so let's save the future Hall of Fame talk for later. Um, so I'm not as high on Jerry Judy as others because I think the bar that people have set for like where you have to be on Judy to be on Team Judy is so outrageously out there for me at this mm-hmm. point that it's like, no way am I going to put myself out there on that island. Yeah, no, I agree. I think he's more of like a late first round kind of guy than he is like top five. That people are putting that. Right. And I think he's still going to go top five in a lot of leagues because I think he's going to yeah. get. Um, well, sorry, when you say top five, are we talking fantasy or are we talking like actual NFL draft? Uh, rookie drafts. Oh, yeah. I, I think he's going to go early in the. I think he'll probably go like middle of the first round. I think we'll go early. Um, I think we'll. I'd be surprised if he fell past the Raiders. What, the Raiders have 12? Yeah, I'd see, that sounds if... probably like where he'll go. Yeah. And. You know, just with the hype that he's had for the last, you know, almost two years now, like, that'll carry him. Mm-hmm. Um, but are you getting a value at that point? Like, no, no I, so. I can get Brian Edwards a little later, and that looks yeah. just as good to me. So why the fuck am I spending, a you know, an early first-round pick on Jerry Judy? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, 100%. So it, it's all like an ADP thing, right? Like, I don't hate players. It's just like the ADPs don't match up with where I think they're actually at. Like, I'm not going to go invest in that. 100%. Um, and so for me, that's just where I have Judy. I, I think he could be a nice, like, Stefan Diggs-like player. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's nice. But I don't know. Yeah. No, I, t- I totally agree with you. <laughs> right? Um, yeah. It's crazy. So I think, like, um, looking at, like, consensus right now, we're looking at, you have your top three um, in terms of like uh, just like rookie ADP, 
And then, then there comes this debate at four, right? And I, and I want to get your opinion on this because I think I may have a, a different opinion than most um, on this. You're sitting at four, right? And you have CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Cam Akers, Brian Edwards, Jalen Ragor. Who are you taking there and why? Uh, at 104? 104. Assuming the top three are in New Mexico. Unless you think that someone else should be up there over like Dobbins and Swift. That just seems consensus right now. So that's wait, so who are the top? Wait, well, then who are your top three running backs? So it'd be Dobbins, who? Swift, JT, Jonathan Taylor, according to ADP right now. Okay, so those three guys are gone, and then I'm left with who do I need to pick between? Anyone. Oh, um, and it all depends on how Acres tests. If okay, oh, I'm so glad you mentioned him because I really want to talk about that. I think uh, I think Cam Acres is the one of four. Yeah, I could see that. Um, yeah, it all depends on how he tests. If he tests well, I would have to probably take Acres right then and there. Um, you want to hear but then, some? if not, then yeah, I'm probably going to CD Lamb at that point. Do you want to get excited real quick? Yes. All right. As a 17 year old, weighing 213 pounds, Cam Akers ran a 4.41. That's good. His spark score, at, at so they have like this high school combine, right? His spark score, as a seventeen-year-old, right. one hundred and forty-one. Which would, for for reference, Saquon Barkley's is like one forty-nine. This dude can squat like six hundred pounds. I've seen that. I like the squat. I wish they did that at the combine. That would be nice. Right. So for like, hypothetically, like uh, I'm not gonna put him in Saquon's territory because nobody's in the territory, but. Okay, so if he if no. he tests it as a one forty one spark athlete, he would be a ninety eighth percentile, if not higher. He'd either be ninety eighth or ninety ninth. I can't tell, but Nick Chubb is one forty I mean, at ninety eighth, so he'd be higher than Nick Chubb at ninety. Jesus, yeah. If he tests that well, and I'm gonna go ahead and assume that at these high school combines, the yeah, maybe maybe it's, maybe the, it's the times are a little favorable. <laughs> but he could also still he has that. I mean, so let's say he ran a what a. You said he ran a four four one. Four four one, yeah. Right. Cool. Let's say he ran a four four six. Okay. Um, Even then, that's good. Which is still nice. Yeah, it's still you just gotta adjust. Hand times are always a little slow. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean that'd be really. Uh, if he does that at the combine, you're gonna hear a lot of people talk about one on one talk. Oh, sure. okay, okay, I would okay. Not be surprised if you hear that. Okay. I mean that right. those are amazing numbers. No. Now, in context to like what he did with his collegiate performance, that's a little left to be desired. But at the same time, he dealt with like literally the worst offensive line I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, but so have a lot of other running backs at one point. So yeah, true. So I'm glad that you mentioned even higher if he does test. So I think I think people or the community as a whole. I think they understand me Tesla, but I don't think they understand how well he's going to test. Like, I, I may, I honestly, I may just be, like, way too optimistic on it, but I think there's a lot of signs that show that, like, he's really going to blow up the combine. So that's why I'm excited about him. I think that 104 is going to be probably his floor after the combine. And I and I wouldn't be surprised to see him start jumping a guy like a Swift. And I think maybe it's, it's talk between, like, Dobbins and him or whatever. But Dobbins, when you look at that same exact high school combine, that we're talking about, he was the only one to test higher than Akers. So Akers had a 141 spark score. 
Um, J.K. Dobbins had a 146. It's 99 percentile. Like, that's insane. Did any of them have any major injuries in college? Um, I don't think so. So I think the one issue with uh, so no Dobbins Dobbins played every single game, fourteen hundred yards as fourteen hundred yards and twenty receptions as a freshman at Ohio State. Insane. But his junior year he was hurt, right? Or at least no, he he played he he played fourteen games unless he missed. I mean, he killed it last year. Um, I know Jonathan Taylor played all his games. Um, let me look at Acres because I think I mean. So he wasn't out, but he allegedly was hurt yeah. his sophomore year, which is why he split with Mike Weber. Oh, okay. So, like, he didn't miss a game, but, like, okay, I got you. So, that, I mean, that could explain the jump down. But you look at Akers, too. Akers has a similar, pro, similar profile in terms of, like, dominant as a freshman, took a little step back as a sophomore, and then turned it up as a junior. Um, and in the context of the offense, naturally, uh, Florida State, one of the worst offensive lines. And I think... They had the fourth worst offensive line out of all Power Five teams this year, and I think last year was even worse. Just crazy to think about. Um, I can't believe that school like Florida State could have such a bad offensive right? line. Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, and Florida has like the most, like the best uh, recruits in any state in the country. And you can't get people to stay. Right, in the state like you, you can't get them to stay in your state and just fucking be good. Like, what are you guys? Talking? Oh, I don't believe right? it. No, it's ridiculous. Um, but dude, like. Okay, on a scale of, like, one being, like, like, I'm, like, like, let's just wait for another year. I don't, I don't even know how much this is. It's, like, it's, like, ten being, like, this is the best running back class I've ever seen. Where would you rank this? Um, this is not the best running back class I've ever seen. So, not a ten. Uh, I think you have a lot of solid running backs. Like, you have a lot of Nick Chubbs. Which is great. Like, like, they're good. Are they, like, the most dominant running back you've ever seen in your life? No. Does that necessarily matter? Or you probably not? (laughs) Like, are you still going to be happy? Like, you'll be fairly happy with what you get. Um, So let's let's just say it's like a solid B plus for a class. Okay, so what would that be? Would that be like a seven and a half? You're not mad, but you're not, like... Uh, over the moon with with what you're getting. So you're looking like seven and a half. Is that like roughly a number range? Uh, well, no, that would be like seven and a half. What school did you go to? That'd be C. <laughs> oh, so we're talking like we're talking like eight point seven. All right. I said B plus, but, not C plus. <laughs> okay, well, all right, forgive, 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 forgive. Yeah, you're talking like I haven't 8. been, 8, I haven't 8. been to school in a while, like, so right uh, I forgot. I forgot yeah, how they like, grade it. Give it an A minus. That's fine. Oh, no wonder why I got bad grades. Um. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, this explains school. Yeah, Got right. <laughs> I completely blocked that part of my life, or blocked that blocked that part of my life out from my memory. So, uh, all right. So, uh, eight. So you're looking at. I I would say like right there, and she like it's a it's freaking it's a yeah, nice class. I, I think in, for if you go to like Saquon Barkley, right? Like mm-hmm. this is the year where owning the 101 sucks because. Honestly, the top five picks, are you going to be mad if you get any, like, C.D. Lamb, any of those four running backs, or, you know, if Jerry Judy ends up being testing really well, something like that? Like, are you going to be that mad? No. This is so... This no, is like, are you trading up for the 101? Like, no, I'm not. I mean... I'm still going to get a guy I like just as much. 
down the line. So mm-hmm. what the fuck am I doing trading for the 101? Okay. Like, just a terrible year to have it. Someone go, like, who do, not who, that you're not going to get someone then? good, but from a being able to trade, is just that sucks. <laughs> Miguel, who's your 101 right now? Uh, probably Jonathan Taylor. There we go. All right. Feels nice. To, he is freaking incredible, man. Like, he is... I think Taylor Swift, yeah, somewhere around there. I think he is like I legitimately think Taylor's one of the best uh, running backs we've seen and come out. And if Saquon Barkley didn't come out two years ago, we're probably looking at him as probably up there with Zeke as the best running back we've seen since probably like AP ish range. I think he's that good. Since AP, wow. Wait, what about Saquon Barkley? You're not I said no, Barkley. no. I, miss, I said I said if Saquon Barkley didn't come out two years ago. Oh, oh, oh okay, I missed that. Yeah. So okay, so um, I think he's absolutely locked in one on one. So I think um, there's literally very little that anyone, very little that could change my opinion. Just because I I'm very confident that Jonathan Taylor, like, I don't think people understand Jonathan Taylor has a, like a legitimate chance to run like a four three. Like this dude dominated in high school as a track athlete. Like just. 100 meter sprints would just blow people out of the water this guy's probably going to test i think right now he's at like 215 but i think it's definitely possible that he uh gets up to like a gets up to like a four or no oh my god like 220 maybe even 225 um just like mega producer like literally literally shattered records in terms of what he did in his three years he's sixth all time all time in college football history for rushing yards from a running back, and he did that in three years. The only other player, the player that's in second place to play their first three years and then leave, Herschel Walker, who Jonathan Taylor has 900 more rushing yards in. Jonathan Taylor had a 10% college share last year, so he got 26 receptions, involved in the uh, receiving game, was efficient in the receiving game, 26 touchdowns. This dude is going to test out Saquon Barkley-like at the Combine. And the thing is, like, I don't know if he's going to get enough um, talk about him because of how freaking good this class is in terms of, like, athletes. Like, for example, like, just just to take a step back for a second. There are legitimately going to be, like, off the top of my head, five players who are just going to freaking destroy the combine. And some of these guys aren't going to be able to get talked about enough because of how well everybody's going to do Right. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. This combine should be fun. Dude, it's be Excited fun. to see how this all pans out. Um, but are you worried at all about his inability to hold on to the ball? What does he have? Eighteen fumbles, fifteen mm-hmm. lost. Um. In forty-one no. games. No. And here's why. It. I mean, when you think of like skills in the NFL or skills that can be taught and can't be taught, every single thing that he excels at are things that aren't very easily taught and right. things such as fumbling we've seen players who had fumbling issues start to correct them i think sonny michelle had massive fumbling issues and he fumbled what one time in two years so it's like those things can be corrected um and a team isn't going to draft him high to not put him on the field and if you put high draft capital in a guy like that like chris carson chris carson has seventh round draft capital fumbled what eight times in what like 12 13 games and p carroll still gave him the ball like no i'm God not is so bad i'm i'm not, I'm not worried i'm not worried about it or the uh, the nine hundred touches over nine hundred touches. Um, actually, no, that's inter- that? that's an interesting thing. But that that's something that like is like a longevity thing. Like if you're drafting Jonathan Taylor, like 
draft him for like three, four years, use him, and then maybe trade him. Like I think it's a conversation down the road, but in terms of like what you're getting off the bat in his rookie contract, no, it's not an issue for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, yeah dude, uh, it's freaking classes. I, sorry, I get so excited talking about this class. This class is phenomenal. It's fun. It's going to be awesome. We're going to look at Henry Ruggs. Do you think Henry Ruggs runs in the 4-2s? Uh, I hope so. That'd be exciting. That'd be freaking awesome to see that. That would be awesome Someone to see that. Um, he's, uh, he's a hell of an athlete. Yeah, he's the is. greatest football player. In oh the yeah, world, so I showed you. Uh, <laughs> I sent you that uh, the basketball clip, dude. That's he's he's gonna blow up the combine. Jalen Rager is gonna blow up the combine. Uh, Jalen Rager is gonna freaking destroy that destroy combine. Destroy the huh? combine. He's gonna. I think destroy. people that are just hating on him right now over what he put up last year, I'm like, dude, no, just stop. Just, yeah, no. Yeah. Like you go play with a community college quarterback <laughs> and see what fucking happens. Yeah, Miguel, we could go out there and we could uh, we could do just as good. Yeah, I could have. I literally could have done what Max Duggan did. Like, yeah, exactly. That's how bad Max Duggan is. Maybe better because all you do is throw the ball to Jalen Rager. It's like, I don't care if he's triple team, just throw it to Jalen Rager. He'll, he'll probably do better than what I could do. Um, yeah, that was infuriating. Yeah. Um, yeah, we touched on Dobbins and Swift and Taylor. Um, those guys are going to destroy it, too. Um, I remember like, tracking Jalen Rager's stats throughout the year. Dude, like, I'd check in on his games, and it'd be like halftime, and I'm like, oh, how's he doing? It's like 30 yards. He's got <laughs> two targets and one catch for 30 yards. And you're like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> What's going on over here, man? No, but uh, just putting things into context, really, really. I mean, in, in the, stat, the stats back it up, too. I think he had, like, one of the um, worst um, catchable target rates in terms of all college players. Or, so it's yeah, like... it's like surprised. I think I posted about how Max Duggan, like, legit was tied with three other quarterbacks or the worst quarterback in college football. Yeah. Amongst all like the ones that college football reference track. So what is that? All of D one? Yeah. So he's got the worst D one quarterback? Great. <laughs> right? It's ridiculous. Um so you you last Not year. Not a lot of times I'll throw that up. That's one. <laughs> last year you uh started putting in a quarterback model, right? Uh yeah, like, when I play around with, I'm around very it. serious. But yeah, um, I can pull it up though. I'm just curious, like, how does guy like Burrow and Tua fit into that model? Uh, Tua's great yeah. until he fucking shattered his hip, and you know, yeah. I don't know what he'll actually end up being now. Um, hold on, where the hell is all this stuff? I have too many things open. Give me a I'm on the same way. I have like seventeen thousand tabs. Yeah. Check it. the court, check the folder that says QB model. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that might be the spot to check. Uh, Tua. Why oh, is in twenty twenty? Oh, there it is. Uh, Tua comes in at tier two. Wow. Right now. What? What? Oh, what? Yeah. He's not tier one. one. That's the, okay. So that's a good why. thing. Yeah. Um, I think it's because. I had his breakout age being 19, but now I'm getting a breakout age of 20. Huh. So I'm going to have to confirm what his breakout age is. Um, not that it's as... Well, actually, it is pretty important for the quarterback. But at the same time, like, he did... I mean, like, he only played a half football as a freshman. Everybody won a freaking championship. Like, what else do you want the guy to do? Um, yeah, so he comes in at Tier 2, and he's the highest rated of them all. Um, in Tier 2? Yeah, Joe Burrow comes in tier four. 
just because the really late breakout mm-hmm. age, 21.7. Um, I mean, I watch – if you just watch Joe Burrow film from 2019, it is very, very hard not to make him your number one quarterback. And I have no problem, given the fact that Tua got hurt, no problem with him going as the 101 in the NFL draft or even in a super flex draft, like, makes sense. If you just watch that, holy shit, the things he did, his ability to keep his eyes downfield, the way he moved in the pocket, avoided everything, threw the ball, like, wow. There was a lot of times I said, wow. And I'm not a film grinder, but, like, damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> no. And um, Yeah, every single step back to that. that. But at the same time, it took him a really fucking long time before he could do that. So, but think about it like this: like Kyle oh, Murray was also. I don't know, boat. man. This is going to be an interesting test case for. Like he's either going to be the outlier's outlier, where you just have to ignore the rest because you never got a really opportunity. Mm-hmm. But and I don't know. I don't know. Kyle Murray did the same though. Kyle Murray never had a good year until he blew up that one year and then he got drafted. Um... I would say like the only difference cool. is that Burrow's year older. Let me look that up though. I don't know if you're actually right about that. No, because Kyler's I think, I think Kyler's freshman year well, at A and M, it wasn't good. No, I think that's that's not entirely accurate. Right? Like you've got to hold on. I've got his shit here somewhere. Where the fuck is Kyler? All right, you keep talking. I'll find it. Uh, I mean, I have it here right now. Uh, Kyler as a freshman, so. He was 18 years old as a freshman, and I mind you, he was like the number one recruit in the whole entire class. Um, he only had 5.7 yards per uh, attempt. He had a 60% completion percentage. He had a five passing touchdowns. He had seven picks as a freshman. He then moves to Oklahoma, resh, or redshirt, so he doesn't play the year. And then his, te- his sophomore year, but he's 20 years old, he gets some backup time in. He does well in that backup time, but he only had 21 pass attempts. So his first... Two years, he had 142 pass attempts. He had eight pit, eight touchdowns, seven interceptions. And then his junior year is when he blew up, and that's when he has 11.6 yards per attempt, 4,300 passing yards, 1,000 rushing yards, 42 passing touchdowns, and seven picks. So, like, that's a very similar, like, uh, I wouldn't right. say in terms of... I mean, of his like, first two years, he didn't do much, but we're talking about Joe Burrow's first... Four years. Okay, okay. So that, that, that's what you're arguing is the fact that that's okay. that's different. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's the difference is the age factor. Like, like uh, Burrow was 23 um, as a last year, whereas Murray was only 21. So right. And and if we're counting, here's where I don't know if I should count this or not because his, Joe Burrow's 2016 season is. Red shirt freshman year, he threw 28 attempts and had two touchdowns. He had a solid AYA of 9.5 and a quarterback rating of 169.9. All very positive indicators. But then that's 28 attempts. Yeah, that's exactly. not a lot. That's the thing. Is how, can you really right? go off that? So if I count that as his breakout, then I need to count. Uh, where's Kyler Murray? Kyler's I don't need to count Kyler Murray. Murray's sophomore season of 21 attempts 
where he did basically the same yeah, thing. Exactly. <laughs> His AYA was 20. That's double what Joe Burrow did. Yep. He had a quarterback rating of almost 300. Yep. Like, do you count that? Yep. I don't know. Like, is that enough to say he's going to be good? I don't know. I don't know. It's yep. interesting. Um, these are the things I'm still trying to figure out. I don't know if that's a small sample size or if that's enough to actually know, are you going to be good? It seems really small. 20 attempts. It's not a lot. It's not even a game. Yeah, exactly. Um, or, I mean, for some schools that is, but, you know, not for Oklahoma. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. So if, if you don't count that, that means, yeah, he didn't break out until his redshirt senior year. And, I mean, how many successful quarterbacks have gone on to win a Super Bowl that were redshirt seniors? And that was their first year really being good. Mm-hmm. But, so, I mean, yeah. he won a championship. He won the Heisman. He did He did the most you could possibly do for a person in that category. Yep, 100%. That if I ignore the rest of them but only take him, that might be the right move. Mm-hmm. So, right, um... Make sense? Yeah, so I'm curious on transfers, right? So transfers may be a little different. I'm looking at... So Kyler Murray, we just touched on him. I'm looking at Russell Wilson's numbers, too. Russell Wilson, like, he, like, broke out as a 19-year-old. He had, But he only had 275 pass attempts. He only had 7.1 yards per attempt. It wasn't until his senior year, which he had 10.3 attempts... 3,000 passing yards, 33 touchdowns, 4 picks. It's like, I wonder if there's something, like, in terms of the data that we can find where it's, like, maybe transfers have a little bit of leeway in terms of, like, taking an extra year to break out and still being good versus players who play at the same college. That's maybe why we see a lot of uh, college players break out in their second years because they have one year with their system and their second year they, they break out. Uh, maybe that was the same thing for Burrow. It's like Burrow wasn't getting the starting job at Ohio State. Um, mind you, he lost a job to a, a first-round quarterback, um, and then um, right. LSU. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm trying to make a case good, for him. Like shouldn't be beating Dwayne Haskins or who else did he lose to? JT Barrett. Um, I mean, I guess JT yeah, Barrett he, at that point already had a lot of clout, so he was just naturally yeah. the starter. I don't know. I mean, I think the uh, the transfer thing. Just with the way the college game works now, and if you're not starting for a team, you automatically transfer. I don't know how much that's going to tell you, mm-hmm. um, because that just seems to be the way that's played. Like Baker Mayfield transferred. Uh, who else recently? Right, Jacob Eason transferred because he lost out to Fromm. Like all these guys move all the time now, and. It's probably not a great thing. Yeah, it's probably not a great thing, but it also, like, can... But then you've got Justin Fields who transferred, because Fromm was in the way. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. We'll uh, see. I mean, it's... it's, It'd be interesting to look at. I I would be curious. You'd probably have to layer on a bunch of other things to get a meaningful insight out of it. 100%. Um, Um, But yeah, yeah, we'll see. What are your thoughts on the... uh, so I've got Fromm, Herbert, and Hertz all in the exact same tier. Mm-hmm. They're all in tier three. The only other guy in that tier is Geno Smith, which honestly makes a lot of sense for this group. <laughs> yeah, Guys yeah. that you're like, yeah, he's good. Doesn't need to be a first-rounder, which Geno Smith was supposed to be, and then he wasn't. 
Um, like he shows enough, like all these quarterbacks at the time that they show enough in the college game that you're like, yeah, I'm interested. But at the same time, they leave a lot to be desired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so it's really funny that they all landed in the same group together with Smith. Cause I was like, yeah, that yeah. actually makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they seem to be that type of quarterback. Exactly. Um, any, uh, any favorites there? Uh, none. I don't like any of them. Um, not in inter- I think, um, so Herbert reminds me of like kind of like a Trubisky, maybe a little bit better than Trubisky. So I, I don't think that Herbert's gonna be necessarily bad, but I also don't think he's gonna be like great in any regards. I think he's gonna be a team, or I think there's, I think he's gonna be a top ten pick. I think someone's gonna draft him top ten. He's gonna go through his rookie contract. Um, there's gonna be flashes, and there's also gonna be moments where it's like, eh, I probably cannot like win with him solely if I get pieces around him. Sure, maybe. Like I think I think Herbert's probably the guy like there. Um, if I were to choose one, but if I were an NFL team, if I'm not getting Tua or Burrow, I'm not taking quarterback because next year we're going to have Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. So in terms of like a two year span, I'm curious if there's been, there's ever been four more talented quarterbacks coming out in a two year span. Like if you need us, if you need a franchise quarterback, like this is a great time to need a franchise quarterback. So I don't know. Um, That's true. No, I, uh, yeah, I really want to like Hurts, but, God damn, the dude just can't throw. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, it's a lot of volume stats. CD Lamb basically made that guy. Um, yeah, I'm not a Herbert fan at all. I just don't think. Herbert and Fromm, like, all year, I was like, this is basically the same guy, except one plays in the SEC. Mm-hmm. So, why do we like Herbert more than Fromm? Yeah, I, I think, think Fromm right now is incredibly maybe. underrated in the in the draft kind of circles right now. Mm-hmm. Like I don't see why Herbert should go in the first round, but Fromm is being like pegged yeah, for yeah, a second, third round pick. I'm like uh, that seems highly disjointed. If I'm a, mm-hmm. if I'm a team that needs a quarterback, like New England, the Colts, Tampa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Even yeah. even the Steelers mm-hmm. that you're not picking high, but you need a quarterback. I'm yeah. all in on Fromm. Like that's who I'm going to go get. Yeah, I because agree. I mean, like, he might not be the answer, but of all the rest of the guys, he's your best shot at probably becoming it. No, I agree. I agree. He's good. Like if you look at his breakout age, right? So as a as a freshman, a true freshman quarterback, he led the Georgia Bulldogs to the national championship, and they almost won. Literally, they almost right. won championship as a true freshman. Um, right. He was efficient. like So he had nine yards per target in both his first and second years. The thing is, he was not on a team in which they threw the ball a ton. So naturally, like if you look at his, his counting stats, they don't pop out to you. And yeah, then, his volume stats don't pop out at all. Um, yeah. Um, I, do think, I do think one downside look at, him, um, oh. <laughs> is, is his rushing ability. Like, he literally... Like you see, you see teams now they're starting to value rushing more, and I think this is I think this is where NFL teams are going to value Herbert more than Jake Fromm. Is Herbert actually adds some sort of value in the rushing game in terms of quarterback? Whereas Fromm had <laughs> he had seventy nine rushing yards his freshman year, but he had negative twenty seven and he had negative twelve there. So he's basically like Philip Rivers, Tom Brady, thirty five plus year old quarterback standing in the pocket. He doesn't offer anything but in terms of Justin Herbert. Really didn't run though either. I'm pretty sure he had like 
I mean, he's not putting up Lamar Jackson numbers. No, absolutely, no, not. absolutely not. No, no, I'm just saying, like in oh, terms so of he's like putting up at least serviceable 160 yards a year. Oh, maybe I'm totally wrong, Herbert. Then maybe I was looking at someone else. Um, Averaging see. 2.4 yards a carry. Okay, that's uh, nothing. Wait, yeah, like no, no, if no. how is he? So he's a little more yeah, mobile. Like he might be able to said. dodge. Uh, a D-end or something, but he's not going to be running on you. Yeah, completely disregard us, because I must have been thinking about someone else. So, no, you, no. I, no, I, I've, I've heard that a lot for Justin Herbert, that he's this, like, mobile quarterback, and I keep going back, like, but he only averaged two yards a carry. Yeah, right. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I, I really thought that he was supposed to be a good rusher, and I remember going back looking at it, and I'm like, oh, he's not at all. Well, yeah, right. Why are people saying he Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah. So you're not alone. That, that Thought process is out there, and it doesn't make sense. Group group think uh, led me astray. I, I thought I thought Hertz was a runner too, and he also didn't really do anything as a runner. He's just athletic and he's mobile. Yeah. Like, oh. But I, I do I do think Herbert at the end of the day that was going to touch out test out more athletically. I don't know really how much that even matters to be honest. Um, yeah, it doesn't. Right. No, it's no, not no, going to so, matter at all. Wait, Jalen Hurts? What are you talking about? Jalen Hurts had a. Thirteen hundred rushing yards this year. Oh, did he? Okay, yeah. so at least he did. And twenty touchdowns on the ground. That's insane. Um, There's definitely traits to like about him. Like I, I like him a ton. He, like the thing about it, to be to be a, a fre- true freshman in Alabama, to put up nine hundred fifty rushing yards. He wasn't necessarily efficient as a passer as a Rick or as a freshman, but it doesn't matter. Like his profile is like awesome. It's just more of like whether he gets draft capital or not. And I do think that like. I hope I I, th- I think Hertz is more of like a team or a guy that like needs to go to a team that um, um, uses a similar concept in terms of like what Lincoln Riley did with him down at uh, Oklahoma. Um, like if you have a innovator, like for example, I, honestly I think a really good fit for um, Jalen Hurts would be the the Carolina Panthers. You bring in Joe Brady, who worked with Joe Burrow last year, Matt Rule, who's a college coach in the Big Twelve. Um, yeah, Joe Brady, he's their offense coordinator now. You got DJ Moore there. You got Curtis Samuel, um, Christian McCaffrey. I think I think I think if I think if Jalen Hurts goes to the Panthers, like actually, will be like pretty excited about him. But I think I think he's more of a situation dependent quarterback, to be honest. I'd be more excited about it if they also re-signed Cam Newton. Really? So, yeah. so you want you want him to like sit for a year or? Because if they re-sign Newton, it's going to be a one-year deal. Like it's not going to be anything amazing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, have him sit for a year. You get to, like, from a Panthers point of view, like, if I'm a Panthers fan, I would want to see that because it gives you a year to see, like, does Cam Newton still have it, yes or no? And does Jalen Hurts the answer, yes or no? And you can find out both at the same time. And if Cam Newton ends up being healthy and he's looking great, great, resign him. And if Hurts doesn't look to be the answer, then you can decide there, like, all right, are we resigning Cam? Are we moving on from both? Like, all those can happen at the same time, but you're giving yourself two options while at the same time you have two quarterbacks that mirror each other. So you don't have to change the offense dramatically mm-hmm. from one to the other. And you've got Cam Newton who can help tutelage hurts as much as yeah. one veteran quarterback does. So that makes sense. Um, my my mindset from a Panthers perspective would be this. It would be, well, okay, obviously it really depends on when Jalen Hurts is going to go, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be a first-rounder. Doesn't seem like he's no. maybe going to be second round. So if you're getting him in the like the, I would say like the third round, right? Let's say you draft Jalen Hurts in the third round. 
here's why I wouldn't want to re-sign Cam Newton. I would want to know at least somewhat of what I have from Jalen Hurts in year one. I would want to give Jalen Hurts from the start, I would want to give him the quarterback job from week one because I want to see what he has. Knowing that next year, if Jalen Hurts isn't the answer or if we don't like what we see in Jalen Hurts, we can dip back into the quarterback pool and get a Trevor Lawrence or uh, Justin Fields. But if they sign Cam Newton and they have Jalen Hurts in the wings and they really haven't seen what they got out of Jalen Hurts, are they really going to invest another pick in a quarterback without having some sort of conclusion on what they're getting out of him? Arizona Cardinals did. Exactly. But, <laughs> right? That's exactly yeah. what the Cardinals did. But at least they got a C really Rosen before that. They got a C that Rosen wasn't Rosen. playing well. Right? He didn't yeah. play that much. Only a few games? Yeah. Uh, before they were no, like, Rosen uh, played. No, Rosen Because you played. get to find out, like, as a team, you may not see that on game day. But you'll find out in practice. That's, that's actually true. That's, that's a good point. You're right. Like You're right. they'll be able to tell. Like okay, this kid gets it. This yeah. guy's making wow plays. He's you know able to elevate the offense over Cam Newton. But if he's not able to do that, you're right. then you're like okay, I don't know what we got here. And if you're also keeping Will Greer, like say you bring up back Greer, Cam, and you draft Hurts, and Hurts can't even beat out Greer. Yeah. Exactly. In no, you're practice. right. You're totally right. Yeah, I don't need to put him in a game to know that that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the so, record, Rosen Rosen played 14 games as a rookie, so they did get a somewhat of a sample size to see that. Okay. Yeah, that's a good sample size. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But uh, sorry, quickly going back to Fromm and his low passing stats. Cam Newton threw a total of 2,900 yards. <laughs> yeah. In college. Jesus. Mitchell Trubisky only forty seven hundred. Dwayne Haskins only fifty three. Um, but if you're going over a kind of longer term starter, Sam Darnold threw less than from. Jameis Winston threw less. Johnny Manziel, but he busted for other reasons. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, a lot of guys end up throwing for like over the nine thousand yard mark. But there doesn't seem to be anything that super correlates here. Um, so I, I think I think Fromm is going to be a good quarterback. Great quarterback, probably not. Are you more like the Andy Dalton, hey. Kirk Cousins? Like, like if he turns that's into not Kirk bad, dude. Cousins, that's, that's, that's not bad. best case scenario that's for not Fromm. Bad. Right? That's not bad. Yeah. That's a very good career for Fromm. It's very great value at what you're going to draft him from that health team. Um, And he's able to, like, make you a playoff team. Whether you can win a Super Bowl with him is a whole other story, but at least you're a winning team. Um, I think Brown's probably going to give you the best. You made a really good case. To be honest, I I didn't do really any research on any of the quarterbacks outside Tour Burrow because at, like, first glance I was like, and they're not. No one's getting really high draft capital. Is even worth like really investing in them? But you've definitely laid out a case for why Fromm should absolutely be like of interest. If you're in a super flex draft or whatever, like he's gonna be. A, he's not gonna be a first round pick in a super flex draft. Right? He's gonna be like a second, maybe right. like yeah, yeah. Like that's a guy that you can just take a flyer on. Um, Jalen Hurts as well. He, like depending on team. Like, if he lands in Tampa, Pittsburgh, New England, or Indianapolis. Smash spots. Do not t- just do not take James even, Winston. Even away Carolina. From even Carolina would be amazing. Like all those five spots, if he lands yeah. in one of those, 
I'll be all in on Fromm and trying to grab him in my Superflex drafts because he'll have plenty of weapons on each of those teams, and he's tied to good, mostly good coaches on all of those teams. Yeah. Um, like just really great situations for someone like him to be able to get in there, take a year, and then like try to lead the team in year two. Yeah. He's my bad. Right, yeah, right, I would. Man. I'm happily going to fade Herbert and Hertz and yeah. Yeah, I'm not drafting Herbert <laughs> and the rest. Ian yeah. Book, Anthony Gordon. You want guy with upside. You don't want to, you don't want to draft a guy in the first round like Herbert's. Gonna, I saw Superflex ADP like 108 Love. right now. Jordan. Yeah, Jordan Love. Yeah, no. Don't, God, don't, he's no, trash. No. Yeah, those guys may have a good year or two in the league, but over the longevity, it's not going to be good. Like for example, for example, we said Josh Allen wasn't going to be good. And we've been right, but we've also been wrong. We've been right in the sense that his passing stats are not good. What's not kept good him good is he's a great rusher. So it's like over right. the longevity of his career, he's not going to be great because at some point it's going to catch up to him, you know. But right now, when he's young and he's he's you know in great shape and he's a great athlete, like he can definitely take advantage. But at the long long run, Josh Allen no. probably isn't going to make it. No, he's not. Um... Yeah, like the one thing you know when I rate in quarterback models, I don't rate their rushing ability at all. It's just purely their passing. Like, yeah, because rushing, sure, that carries you for a bit because you can make it work. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like your job's to throw the ball. If you can't do that, it's going to catch up with you. Yeah. Um, so I don't really factor in rushing in here. If I wanted to make this more of a fantasy model, I should, I guess. Yeah. Um, because that's what makes Josh Allen valuable in fantasy is his ability to rush. Yeah. It's not his ability to throw. If Josh Allen was a statue quarterback, Bills would be the number have the number one pick right now and would want a new quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's only because he's running that they're like, ah, oh, we can maybe make this work. Right. Um, and they'll try to talk themselves into it. And Josh Allen is basically a Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Could run occasionally make the good pass mostly was kind of cringy when he threw (laughs) um like that's who they have and you know cap led the team to the super bowl i mean he didn't start the whole year but he took the team there and then you know it was just kind of ho-hum after that so we'll see all right one quick thing um before we head out here it is uh valentine's day i want to know um Super cheesy right now, but um, we got to do it, man. It's just just in spirit of the holiday. Um, who is one guy in this draft class that you would uh, make your Valentine in terms of putting your stamp on them right now, knowing what you have with the information in front of you? Uh, Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager. All right. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I I think no matter what, I've I've boxed myself into this where I was a big Jalen Rager fan last last this time last year um and so for those reasons i think i'm just gonna make him my number one wide receiver wow regardless of where he ends up ranking in my model just because i loved what i saw there i love how dynamic he is and i think he's gonna be great i think people are just you know making too much of his drops because who cares all-time leaders of drops go down that list it's a who's who of the hall of fame um so I don't really care about that, and I think he's going to be amazing. So I'm excited to see what Jalen Rager does at the Combine. I think his 
fantasy value is going to skyrocket after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he makes it as a late first-round pick, which I hope he's there for the 49ers because he's exactly what they need. And if he's not there, I hope they trade down. But that's my guy. Love it, man. Love to hear it. He's a stud. He's a stud. He's an he is. He's fun to watch, man. Thank you, man. Well, dude, thanks for joining me, man. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, thanks for uh, putting this on. Threw it down, bro. I wish, uh, wish we could talk a little longer, but I actually have to head off to work soon. So, um, no worries, I got to go do stuff too. Uh, <laughs> dude, this was awesome, man. We freaking cranked it out for hour thirty-five. We'll have to, we'll have to um, get um, some official like rankings. Last year we did a. Uh, our wide receiver rankings before or like right before the NFL draft so we'll have to get that back together um, just talk about the receivers after the combine and really just start to dive in on like uh, on a ranking and on a tier basis of like what we're looking at in terms of this class so we'll get true yeah. depth this is more of like a, a, a preliminary talk about some of the players we like and I thought we both made some really good points to some players and hopefully like if you're listening like this helps like just either like change your perspective or like reaffirm some beliefs that you had in some players. So, um, yeah. No, yeah, no, this would be good. We'd definitely have to do it. Um, you know, looking at it right now, I think there's still eight guys on track to score a perfect score. Holy smokes. All right. That's so, a cliffhanger then. We'll have to, we'll have to go back on that after later. That's insane, yeah. man. I think the, I think the only guys you probably aren't, Big on right there aren't getting a lot of love. Aaron Parker from Rhode Island. He's a small school guy, so I guess I'm gonna have to tout him because that's what I do. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't necessarily love his profile that much. Um, he's because he's more weighted in touchdowns than yards. <laughs> oh, he's T T Higgins two point <laughs> He does it every year. Small but school T Higgins. It's by a smidge, so I'm like, Ugh, uh, watch. He's gonna be the one guy who actually does good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine uh, that. And then Gabriel Davis from Central Florida. Mm. Okay. All right. He's 6'3", 212, 32% dominator rating, broke out at 19, 2.8 pounds per inch. I mean, he's hitting on everything right now, so let's see how he does. Hmm. And I do want to point this out real quick. Traquan Smith? I do want to point this out real quick. So you had... Three perfect score players, or your model changed last year, right? It was a six. It was, at, it was on a six scale, right? And now it's on seven. Yeah, it changes every year because okay, I always well, tweak something. All right, well, we'll still get, we'll, <laughs> we'll still give you your your, your due diligence here. I remember um, it was the twenty eighteen class, and you only had three players that hit that perfect mark. Um, one of them, Justin Watson, still remains to be seen. He performed well in opportunities last year, but. Both your guys that you had perfect already hit in their second year, DJ Moore and Michael Gallup. So props up to that. Um, it's kind of crazy because I remember Michael Gallup was like, like you were the one that like your model really like put him head and shoulders above like everyone else. Like in terms of like how they were valuing him for like, so like to see that as a hit as well. It's like definitely like reaffirming and encouraging that like your model works. Like like I can't like stress enough like how important it is to like. Like, if you're listening, you've never, like, heard of Miguel's model or whatever, like, please, like, not only look at it, but, like, like, like heavily utilize that in your wide receiver approach because it's become very predictive and it's an awesome tool and an awesome resource for your dynasty rookie drafts and really understanding, like, which players are more likely to hit than others. 
Thanks, man. Bro, just got, yeah. got to keep it real. No, we've though. got uh, the got 2018 keep... class is going to look good, man. Gallup's already hit. Corlin Sutton already hit. DJ Moore hit. We're just waiting on Kirk, our boy Kirk. It's got to come bro. through. It's happening. I don't. I don't think Ceedee Lamb's going to the. I don't want to keep you too long because I know you got to work. But I just don't think Ceedee Lamb's going to the Arizona Cardinals. I hope he doesn't. I don't see that. I don't see them investing in another wide receiver. I hope like, he doesn't. Just because we need offense tackle and we can get yeah. a receiver. In the, let's get a receiver in the second round. Nothing against CD. Let's get a receiver right. in the second round. Hopefully Rager falls. Hopefully Higgins falls. Or Shit. Brian Edwards in the second. Like one of those uh, Brian Edwards would be amazing. In the second, right? Edwards like, and Kirk. Kirk in the slot. Edwards on the outside. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah give me that. Jesus. That's a whole other uh-huh. podcast. That is a whole nother podcast. Right, yeah, <laughs> James Washington was starting to look good towards the end of the year. Okay, so. I also have a great thing about that. Hey, if you're listening to this, there's a there's an article coming out soon, and it's uh, gonna put James Washington in some very promising light. No, that's good. I got some James Washington shares because he was go, so baby. cheap. There you go, baby. All right, guys. Well, uh, Miguel, thank you so much for hopping on, man. Um, good spending this time with you, just chat chatting and. Uh, this is gonna be this is gonna be such a fun offseason, man. So I'm excited that uh, we'll do this, and uh, we'll definitely have to link up again and uh, get some more content out for the peeps. All right, man. Sounds good. Talk soon. All right, peace out, brother.